Good morning and welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is your host, Kim Shea. It is Tuesday, August 30th, 2022. And I'm here talking with a friend of mine. We've been friends for a really long time, um, but this is the first time we're sitting down formally and discussing everything. Kathy Ellis is the founder and co-owner of Senior Care Options with her husband, Mike Ellis. She's got a very interesting history, very interesting background in the industry of senior housing. And she has a lot to share with us about uh, what we need to know as we're moving forward as we age. And then she also will share with us what her plans are for herself as she moves into retirement age. So thank you, Kathy, for coming to the podcast. Thank you, Kim, for having me. Absolutely. So tell us about your background. How did you get into senior housing? Well, I've just kind of fell into senior housing before senior housing was a thing, kind of before it was popular. When I was going to college to become a a teacher, to become an elementary education teacher, I started working in what we called in 1980, a convalescent hospital. Actually, 1980 was the was the year the term was coined skilled nursing facility, which we still use that now, SNF, skilled nursing facility. And I was working as an activities assistant in part-time in a was 198-bed convalescent wow. hospital. That's and, big. you know, back in the day, people were fairly active in those nursing homes, convalescent hospitals, um, skilled nursing facilities. They're all called the same. And I think what we've learned over the years is, you know, it was costing California way too much money to keep everybody on Medi-Cal or, you know, because Medicare isn't going to cover the, you know, or say they're private pay or Medi-Cal in these nursing homes. So, but the people back in the day before there were a lot of assisted living facilities were in nursing homes. And we have just changed so much in the last 42 years. These retirement communities are, I mean, are all over the map. Everyone is so different. So the assisted livings were kind of a break off from the convalescent homes. Is that what yes. you're saying? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, what happened was there then eventually kind of in the early eighties, they started some of the early companies started creating these retirement villas. A lot of them were called villas, the retirement villas, because no one wants to, you know, live in a convalescent hospital the rest of their life. So they started these retirement villas and or retirement homes, as we sometimes would call them. And you know what? They were a lot of fun. I couldn't get over back in the early 80s when I went from nursing home to these these, these retirement homes because every single person had their little apartment, whether it was a studio or one bedroom. They were served three meals a day. And, you know, we would get on the loudspeaker in the office and push a button and say, bingo at three o'clock, or we're taking a scenic ride or join me outside and we're going to use the jacuzzi or happy hour. All of a sudden, they took fun to the next level. And I was all about, let's have a good time. Let's try to, I always look at seniors on not, let's not look at all their illnesses. Let's look on what they still can do. And when you can load a bus full of people, I was 19, 20, 21 years old. When I was about 21, I, you know, started driving this little van. It was like a 15 passenger van. And we'd take them to like the Knott's Berry Farm chicken house for lunch and look around at Virginia's gift shop. And they'd come back to the retirement community. And everybody in the dining room wanted to hear about our trip. Oh, did you go? And we took pictures Mm -hmm. back in the old days. You took them, you had to get them developed. We put them on the bulletin board. 
So the activities department in any senior community is really what makes everyone, you know, that's talking about thriving. The fun is what really, what I go for. Not, you know, people think about, oh, it's so doom and gloom, but there's a lot of fun that happens in these senior communities. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. So you, you, you were doing that. And then, so did you just stay in it after that? You just stayed in that industry as an activities person? Well, it's kind of funny. You know what? It's almost like you're, you, you plan your life one way and then it seems like it's going to go a different way. So anyway, after college, I ended up marrying my first husband and he had a very good job. And I thought, well, you know what? I really love children, seniors and kids. I'm just going to get married and have that white picket fence and have four children. But you know what? It didn't work out that way. And I'm not going to, that's really not my, I'm not going to go into all that today, but you know what? Fortunately, most of my background was working for several years and I even worked part-time in early on in, you know, helping in activities at a lot of these retirement communities. So I thought, you know what? I have more background in that than teaching. I, let me see if I can get into back into senior living because I really loved it and I was good at it. So, you know what, they, they hired this person. I would, by that point, I was going through a divorce in 1989. I had a lot of experience working in senior living and they gave me a chance to help with activities and sales. And I would do the tours and, and help with activities and planning a lot of events and community outreach. And eventually I worked myself, myself up to it. They gave me a chance to become an administrator in a senior community in 1990. And that happens to be the year the term assisted or 8990 is the year when we started calling these retirement homes assisted living facilities. And did you know the facility is the F word? No senior community wants to be called a facility because a facility sounds like the old fashioned nursing homes. And no one wants to live in a facility. You don't want to like live your entire life and then move into a facility. So they are truly called residential care facilities for the elderly. And that's how they're licensed. But there are they are communities. And you know what? They range from good to not so good. And that's what we do now is we try to help people really differentiate the various places. And it just depends what kind of, you know, income you have, because they're you know, some people call me on a daily basis that are living out of their car or don't even have a car. And other people are moving into places that are 10, 20, you know, 10, not 20, but $10,000 a month. So how do you know about all these places? Are you, you know, I know there's companies like that that do that. You can call up, you see commercials all the time on TV saying, call us up and we'll tell you where a good place to put your parents is. So is that, is that kind of what you're doing? Well, after a long 24-year career managing large assisted living communities, I thought, you know what? This is this doesn't isn't working for me anymore. I just do not feel like everybody belongs in a large community. Sometimes they are not getting enough attention if they're a fall risk. Sometimes these smaller board and cares are better. So, I thought, why don't I start my own senior placement company? But I thought, how do I compete as this little small fry here in Oceanside, California, with these large national companies when they won't call 1-800, blah, 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 and we'll find a place for you. Well, guess what? 
I don't compete with them. I am my own boutique placement person. I, you know, those online companies, many of them, many of them hire some very good people, but many of them give you a week training. I mean, you could have been selling copying machines last month and you have about a week's worth of training of what is assisted living? What is dementia? What is this? And it's like, you know what? They, I don't want to just spam out a list of places to people. I want to be their advocate because not all places are created equal. And some people, if they can only afford, you know, $3,000 a month, I want to be able to follow up with them before, during, and after the placement and say, if you're not receiving the care you were promised, or I could be an advocate for the facility too, because sometimes people have unrealistic expectations I like to be able to get a hold of their administration. And if they don't give me the time of day, guess what? With 40 years in the industry, I know how to get a hold of all the regional people at all the big companies, the national companies. Wow. I will do that for my clients because, you know, it's important. If you're not getting the care you're promised, especially if you have dementia and you don't have a voice to complain, you're sitting in, you know, you know, an uncomfortable depends all day long, or you're not getting enough to eat. I want to be able to be your advocate. Nice. That is not, thankfully, that is not normally the story. Most of these places are, you know, are very, very good. But there's a lot of turnover at even the best communities. And I educate families about that. You know, so there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of wonderful stuff. But all that glitters is not gold. You really do need to thoroughly vet them before signing on the dotted line. Yeah, that's that's a huge service right there. And I, I, you know, full disclosure here, I have called you before for a friend of mine who was having problems. She had um, Medi-Cal. Um, so for, yeah, if you're national Medicaid. And so she didn't have a place to stay. She was living, she had a place to stay, but she was living alone, which is another topic of choosing to live alone as you age, it's really a rough road to take. And she needed a lot of help. And so I called you a few times asking you for suggestions and you were just rattling these things off. Like there's this board and care here, which I used to know as a six bed um, home, but it, I just, it's a smaller home. So you're just saying, so you know, this one would be good. Well, this one you can afford, but you're not going to like it. I mean, you knew everything about it. And you actually go check these places out, right? You go regularly yes. to, to see them and meet the people. My husband and I do not recommend any senior community or board and care home that we haven't personally checked out. And if we can't help you, we will find someone who can. I do not you know, I don't keep up with every single, all of 700 homes that are here in San Diego County. There's, there's, they're nationwide. There's hundreds of them. But if I cannot help you, I will find another placement person that I completely trust that can. So, um, you know, that is, it's, and it's same with other questions you have in the industry. If you need someone, you need a good in-home care company. In-home care seems to be what everybody wants. They want to stay home. They want to live in their own home. Yep. You know, we've all lived, you know, such an isolated life the last two and a half years with the pandemic, you know, so living at home, watching TV all day, you know, I know it's your home, but yet there, to me, it's not always the best option just because, you know, the food and the, you know, the, the socialization isn't there, but you know, sometimes it is, if it's end of life, you're not going to bother moving, you know, when it, you have just several months to live or something like that. So in-home care is a great option, but it's also a very expensive option. 
What in-home caregivers used to range at about $25 an hour on an average, most of them are $38 to $40 an hour now. Oh, I had no idea. Wow. And that, you know, is $25,000 plus a month for 24-hour care. Mm. I mean, you're talking closer to $30,000 now. It's, it's a lot of money. And, you know, if so, someone has a few hundred thousand dollars equity or even a million dollars equity, if you're spending $25,000 a month, you can only do that for so many years. And, you know, if that's what you like and that's your dream, I think go for it. But a lot of people do get reverse mortgages and use all their equity on in-home care. And then there's nothing left if they just if they need to then go out into a, a board and care or a senior community because they've. They've spent all their money. So, you know, every situation is totally different, too. And that's the thing. And, you know, everybody, that's why you should have this discussion with your family, with your kids, and, and really have let people know what your wishes are and have a plan. That's the biggest thing. I love to educate people. You know, hopefully you can stay at home, but pick your top two or three favorite large facilities or get, you know, have someone on your speed dialer on your refrigerator magnet that does what I do. So you can have that option to call somebody, you know, when you do need the advice, don't wait till you're in a total panic and an emergency to have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Having a plan is good. Um, Do you find though that, um, you know, if I'm talking to you, let's say, let's say you're not in this industry and I'm talking to you and I say, Kathy, you know, do you think you want to go live in an assisted living or retirement community? I mean, a lot of people would say, no, I, no, I'm a, I have this beautiful home. You have a beautiful home. Why would I ever want to leave my beautiful home? Because it's hard to picture where mm-hmm. you could be at some point where it's you spending hours and hours and hours alone by yourself in your home and your neighbors aren't checking on you as much as that you really need. And, and you can just spend a lot of time alone if you can't drive anymore. It's it's funny because I I like you I also was in act in activities in a nursing home, and they don't I don't think people realize how much the staff even though there is turnover as you pointed out mm-hmm. the staff become part of your family they become yeah. your friends too because you know them they're there so many hours a day with you you rely on these people and they're most of the people I find who work there really like serving that community. They like serving that population. And so those are people who become very important to you. And they become important to your relatives who who come in too. They know that they can count on you know, the the evening nurse staff who comes in. They know those people very well. It becomes just an extension of your life. Whereas if you're in your own home and you're trying to do everything yourself, especially if you're dealing with any kind of an illness or disability, it's really rough. It's a really rough choice to make. It's so it's hard to have a plan. You're saying, no, I'm going to stay here. And then your kids are thinking, okay, good. Mom's going to stay there. And then, and then what are you going to do when it actually comes down to it? Then the parent, the, I mean, sorry, the adult children have to make the call and then they're the bad guy all of a sudden. And so many adult children work. So moving into their home or they may not have a downstairs bedroom, there's a lot of things to consider. So no matter what, if anyone just takes anything from this conversation today, it's just have a plan and figure out what's going to go on. Have those conversations with your parents and, you know, or have those conversations with your children. You know, so many people don't have even a, let's say, a power of attorney for health care or financial um, even designated. And, you know, it's it's crazy. You know, an accident could happen so quickly. Or something could happen to any of us, you know, 
anytime. It, everyone should have, whether you're, or an emergency call button in your, if you're living alone in your house, you know, you're so many, even with the technology now, I don't want to say the word Alexa, say it quick, quiet. You, know, <laughs> you can ask your, ding, you ding, know, ding. yeah, you can ask um, Alexa anything. And, um, you know, she can, there's even safety monitors as part of those systems. Now hmm. your Apple That's watch good. can be an emergency call button. The one my mom, you know, most seniors don't have a lot of these really high tech Apple watches and things. So, but I do have an emergency call button for my 82 year old mom, because even though she lives really next close, very close to my, um, her grandson, my son and his wife, they would never hear if she was yelling, probably, you know, the kids have the TV on insulation, you know, so you would, um, she's like in a little guest house right next door. But so they don't always check, you know, in every single morning, they probably notice if her car wasn't moved after a couple of days. So she has an emergency call button with fall detection, you know, because if you hit your head on the corner of your nightstand or you're in your bathroom, you're, you, you might be knocked out and you won't be able to um, call 911. Right. A lot of people say, well, I just carry my cell phone in my pocket. Well, that that will be that will get, you know, fly out of your pocket. So have, again, you know, it could happen at 50 years old. It doesn't have you don't have to be 85 to have a fall in an emergency. So um, this is just good information to have. Um, you know, I always want to say I'm so glad you worked in activities, too. The staff can be just amazing in these communities. I mean, there's, they really do love what they do. And last Saturday, Mike and I, my husband, we were at a senior community that was celebrating 20 years of excellence. And it, they, are, they were just, everyone was thriving. They were dancing. The food was amazing. I mean, when I when I walked out the doors, everybody was doing the YMCA dance. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm just about crying because I was just like, this is the kind of stuff that I miss about senior care is living. I mean, because they it, it this sounds so corny. And I mean, people will think, oh, brother, now she's really lost her mind. But it can truly be a cruise ship that never sails. If you're in a nice community, they have an itinerary every day. Nobody has to play bingo if they don't want to. Nobody has to do anything, but there's lots of exercises. There's lots of things. You Even if you just do nothing but go to the dining room two or three times a day, that exercise you get in a senior community is a way more than you're ever going to get at home. Just going to the dining room and having a balanced meal. I mean, I love to cook. I love to eat, but I said, I've been buying those bag salads lately just because I don't sit there and chop up a big salad every day like I should. I want something easy. So, um, I mean, there's when you have a balanced meal, including they used to have huge salad bars and more buffet things. But since COVID now, you could always order a side salad or extra portion of vegetables. Or you can get a hamburger and french fries every day. You can eat as healthy or as unhealthy as you want. There's so many choices with activities and food and live entertainment a couple times a week. Um, there's just a lot of fun in senior living. It's not all doom and gloom. So I, I really want your audience to, to know that. Take a look at them. You'd be surprised. I only hope that I can afford to live in one of the senior communities, you know, nice ones around here someday. 
Yeah, and that's a big issue, is affording to live in these places. And even if all of a sudden everybody decided, yeah, this is the way to go, I'm going to go live there, you can't, most people. It's a, it's prohibitive, at least in California. I don't know about the rest of the country, but it's a big investment for a lot of people, and that's a really, it's hard. But I think living by yourself is is really the hardest way to go as you get older without knowing for sure that you've got people coming to talk to you and check on you on a regular basis. That's tough. But um, so there are some communities where you can put down your home basically as the down payment to get in there and then you live there. And I know some of those homes have the continuing care model. So you could come in in retirement. If you need assisted, you'll move there. If you need to spend time in the nursing section, you'll go there and then go back to your apartment. And some of those don't have dementia care, uh, which I always find interesting. Like we've got everything except for the dementia care. So then what happens? So, I mean, is that a place that you refer? That always concerns me that what if someone goes in there and then they don't have, they don't have dementia. I mean, they get dementia and then where are they going to go? So is that a, a place that, how do you feel about those? Well, they're called CCRCs or continuing care retirement communities. There's some really gorgeous, beautiful ones, but I don't generally refer to them just because I prefer to find the nicest month to month rental because most of us, unless you're a, you know, a Kennedy or a Rockefeller, you don't want to spend 500,000 to a million dollars, give them your entire life savings just so you're buying the right to live there. And even though they're resort style at, you know, beautiful environments, um, like you said, some of them do have memory care. Some of them do not. What I think is best is to find, like, let's just say you're a couple and you want to find um, one of you might be getting, you know, a little memory care, memory issues. There might be something going on. So um, I would say find the nicest month to month place where you both would feel comfortable, where you could start out in a two bedroom apartment. And then let's just say. One of you, the husband needs memory care. Eventually, he can go to the memory care part of the building and the wife can maybe scale down to a one bedroom to make it more affordable. And they can they can still be in the same on the same campus. So anyway, um, I think that's that's always a good way to go. Yeah, that just seems like that's more preparing ahead for the future, especially if you're a couple. Yeah. Uh, Could we go back to bingo for a second? I feel like bingo gets a really bad rap. And I feel like bingo can be really fun, especially if you play multiple cards. You could turn them upside down to make it even more challenging if you want. So you're playing basically backwards. But I feel I felt like I mean, I had no concept of what bingo was really when I came into work in assisted living. But it's pretty fun. It's a big communal thing. Everybody's doing it together. And if you can't play, there's usually an activities director or a volunteer who will help out the people who are having a hard time managing the cards themselves. So it's fun. And I noticed that the families tended to bond at bingo time as well because they would all be helping other residents who didn't have somebody there to help them, and they'd be chatting with each other. And and I remember my former mother-in-law came to stay where I was working, and her kids were there. And I said, oh, you should come 
do bingo. 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 Why do we want to do bingo? Well, before you know it, they're in there. They're helping run all the cards for all these different people and really getting involved with knowing everybody. Because again, it is that community that you become involved with and the staff become your friends, the other residents and their families become your friends too. It's just it's just something you can't really imagine until you're there. It, it can be a really positive experience. Oh, it's so fun for people. I mean, there's some communities like where my sister, I have a sister-in-law who's got some early stage memory issues and she's only in her late sixties. She, you know, we wouldn't dare pick her up later in the afternoon because every day at three o'clock they play bingo and that's her favorite thing. Bingo. Yeah. So, you know, it's not for everybody, but yeah, anything you do that uses, you know, uh, that, that causes you to concentrate is good. I mean, I think our, all our minds are just totally jacked up now from, from being on the internet and multitasking so much that, you know, you, especially if you're watching two or three cards yet, Anything you do, they say 30 minutes a day of cognitive exercise and 30 minutes a day of some kind of physical exercise can actually build back some cognitive reserve. And, you know, so bingo or doing it crossword puzzles, Sudoku puzzles, anything like that, where you're having to think and watch and figure out stuff, it's it's good. Plus, it's a camaraderie. I mean, I have a friend from church that moved to a community very intellectual. And she was even playing bingo. I go, Neva, you're playing bingo? And she says, well, you know what? You know, it's kind of like when in Rome, do what the Romans do. She was, yeah. she was having fun, but it's more of a social thing, like you said. People enjoy it. And pe- uh, let me tell you, it can get a little vicious sometimes, too. Yeah. People are very competitive <laughs> at bingo. You know, they have their seat. They have their cards. Some people want, they, they look at, you know, certain numbers they think are lucky numbers on their cards. You know, when this number's in the corner, that's my card. So, um Bingo is is not going to go away. It's very popular and it's played regularly. But, you know, you don't have to go to anything that you don't want to do. But there's yeah. some people that could they would do it twice a day if they could, which I, I don't see it myself. But then again, I don't do puzzles either. So I don't. Yeah, well, there's there's hopefully there's a lot to choose from wherever somebody goes and not just just bingo. So. Some people have limited activities, but most are usually got a lot of different things going on to try and appeal to people. I'm sure COVID must have been brutal for people to be in the nursing community because they're just people in their rooms. It must have been awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it, just like kind of like the cruise ships where everyone was kind of banned to their rooms. Mm-hmm. They were delivering meals to rooms. They were trying to like put fun puzzles on their meal trays and doing some kind of trying to do some kind of activities. Some of the communities were going out and buying Hershey bars and things and, and bringing those every, you know, some, a little surprise every day or something, a little something fun for people because there was really nothing happening during COVID time. I mean, they couldn't even, you know, they were, they were delivering the actually margaritas and happy hour door to door. They were trying to make the most of a situation. Those people that worked in the senior communities or any any hospitals or medical field during the you know the severe part of the pandemic, I mean they're my heroes. They are real. Those oh, people yeah. on the front line were amazing. I mean they were putting the, you know putting themselves at risk every day and and um, but I most of the communities you know everyone living in the communities are completely vaccinated, so I think they're very safe in that way. Um, it's really hard, you know, when you have a group of people, but the, the mask mandate is, is not, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. Staff members are generally wearing the mask 
I would say 90% of the time, but the residents and visitors no longer have to wear a mask in the community. So, you know, but you know, that could change from week to week. Right. Yeah. It's all about protecting a very mm-hmm. vulnerable group of people. Yeah. Um, so what, what, what's on the future for you? I mean, you're not, you're not retirement age quite yet, right? No, not quite. I'm yeah. going to be 62 in February. Yeah. Hard to believe. Time flies so much. Doesn't here it? I've been working yeah. with seniors since I was 19, and here I'm a senior myself now. You know, I'm my husband is actually 12 years older than me, and he, he, I, you know, I'd like to live and kind of move to one of these 55 and over, you know, large, really nice communities that have a lot of activities. And you know, he doesn't feel like we're ready for something like that yet, but. Um, you know, we do have a big yard to maintain and all that. So we're talking about possibly in the next couple of years, you know, getting, uh, we have a downstairs master too. So that makes it nice, but oh, possibly nice. getting a, uh, you know, a smaller home. We work out of our house, but something that's a little smaller and smaller yard. I mean, I do like having a swimming pool. So if we didn't have a pool, I'd definitely get some kind of a jacuzzi or something that I could get in the water. That's always important to me. But I, I mean, our kids are around here. So we have one um, one family member right here in the very near area. And then our other three kids are in Orange County. So we wouldn't want to get too far. But we love this North San Diego County area. So I think we're definitely going to stay here. And met so many nice people in this area, too. Um, but so smaller, smaller place. But eventually... You know, you would think me being in the industry all these years that I would have long term care insurance, but we never bought it. I never worked for a company where it was affordable enough to buy. Mm -hmm. So our home equity, fortunately, we do have home equity is going to be our long term care policy. Mm -hmm. So if down the line, let's just say, you know, we sell this home and we buy another home and we can pay cash for it, God willing. And I can, um, you know, let's just say. One of us needs care. We move, we go to senior, you know, we sell it. We put that money in the bank, use a good financial planner and go into one of these month to month places. And then if we let's, this is what most, how most people pay for it. Let's just say, you know, you can find a studio apartment with three meals a day, believe it or not, at about $2,000 a month, even around here, Really small studio with a shared bath. But a private a private studio is going to be about three thousand a month. But for us, let's just say we wanted a two bedroom, two bath. I mean, we're talking six, seven thousand maybe. And then you're, there's a second occupant fee. So let's just say we between Social Security or pensions or whatever our person has, you you have five thousand dollars a month. You'd still then have to pay pull out an extra three thousand dollars a month for that out of your savings account. So if we if we had 500 or a million dollars worth of equity in the bank from or my, with our financial planner, we'd have to then pull that out at $3,000 a month. And that's going to pay for the second occupant and the difference between our social security and what the place is going to cost. So at $36,000 a year, you know, how many years can you afford to do that, you know? If you have, you know, 360,000, you're going to be able to do that for 10 years. But also then if down the line you need care, their nurse at the senior community is going to come in and assess you. 
And let's say um, I ended up having a stroke or I'm having a problem or had pneumonia and I need to come out of the hospital. I need someone to help me with a shower or dressing or my medication. I'm really getting my, I'm getting early dementia and I'm getting my medication messed up. Then I'm going to need assistance with that. So I might be on a level two care, which is $850 a month. So now you're at 6,000 for the apartment, 1,000 for the second occupant. So that's 7,000. And then I'm needing now $850 worth of care. We're, we're, so we're at close to, you know, 8,000 a month. So, you know, it's just, you know, and then the more expensive apartment you pick. So when, let's just say one of us does need to have more care down the line, you know, that's just going to be more money you're going to pull out. If you need, if one of you pass on, then that's less money and you might scale down to a smaller apartment. You know, there's every situation is so different. Yeah. Wow. That, that is a lot of money. Do you keep tabs on the industry and uh, politics and, and bills and things like that to see if there's any talk about and any real talk about what can be done to help people? get this kind of housing that's affordable because a lot of people, this is untouchable. Do you monitor? Okay. Well, there's some really good news for, for people that they have just raised them. And I am not a financial person, so I'm just throwing out a, a ballpark figure. They have just raised the um, amount from, it used to be you had to spend your money down to about $2,000 a month to qualify for Medi-Cal. You don't have to sell your home, but you'd have to, you know, have no liquid assets at all. They have ranged, they have raised that just in the last couple months to about 130,000. So a lot more people are going to be able to say yeah. they're not just Medicare, but Medi, Medi, Medicaid, Medicare, Medicaid, or in California, Medi-Cal. There is something in California that is was started years ago called the assisted living waiver program. And there is currently about a two year waiting list. So let's just say you have, you haven't saved your money. You have no money at all, but you do have Medi-Cal. You can, if you need, if you need assistance with at least two of your activities of daily living, like bathing and dressing or things like that, you could qualify for the assisted living waiver program. And they will boost your Social Security up to about $3,000 a month. Again, I'm just throwing that number out. Yeah. To a number to where there's going to be a list in every single county of certain board and care homes and assisted living homes that will take a certain percentage of people on assisted living waiver. Another great thing that I think very few people know about if you served in the military for at least 90 days or you were, you're a surviving spouse, you can't be divorced, but if you're a surviving spouse of a person that served in the military, there's something called the VA Aid in Attendance Program. All of these things can be found on our website at SeniorCareOptions.org on our resource page. Or we, you, a person could call me anytime, too, if they had any questions about any of this. We love to educate. See, um, so the VA aid and attendance, you have to have served in the military during at least 90 days, but the catch is at least one day has to be an active, active duty during a wartime. 
So there was this very, from World War I, World War II, and then Korea, there was a little snippet of time between Second World War and Korea and between Korea and Vietnam that if unfortunately a lot of the, the older boomers are, some of them are falling into that time that's right before Vietnam that, you know, they're not really older boomers. They're kind of that great generation right before the great, it's not the greatest generation, whatever it's called right before the boomers. They're following during that time to where, geez, they, they didn't, they served in the military, but they don't, it wasn't considered an active war. If you look on the charts though, the early days of the Vietnam War started in the early 60s. So there is, you know, the Vietnam War went on a lot longer, between, you know, almost the entire 1960s to 1970s. So from the older boomers to the younger boomers, they're just about covered with the Vietnam War if they served in the military. They will get anywhere from about $1,400 to a little over $2,000 towards assisted living or if they don't want to move, they can use this VA aid and attendance money towards in-home care. And it's one of the best kept secrets. And so it's VA aid and attendance. If you want to Google that, you can look it up. It's totally legit. It's been, I've seen it pay off for so many people, including my sister-in-law I told you about. She has this early stage memory issues her husband served in the military for 14 years, so he more than covered the 19-year period. They did not, they only had about $25,000 in savings. He died of liver cancer. He would be so happy to know that at first she, he got, she got his Social Security, now she's getting her own Social Security. So between Social Security and this extra survivor's benefits of $1,300 and something, She's able to live in a lovely senior community here in North San Diego County. She needs a little supervision and she needs medication management. And she's able, because of this VAA in attendance, she's lived there for four years. And that nice. is a lifetime benefit. Wow, so that's, that's nice. exciting news. But what I call, there's a lot of people that are those gap people. They're too rich for Medi-Cal and they're too poor for everything else. And they don't they don't qualify for the VA. But since they've raised the Medi-Cal limit to you can have up to one hundred and thirty thousand. Hopefully that will help some people. But there's also a monthly income requirement. And some people, because they've worked all of their you know life, they had a fairly decent job. They might be making, you know, twenty two hundred dollars a month. Social Security um, but they haven't made a lot of good financial decisions or they had an illness that wiped them out or two or three divorces or whatever. Everybody has something. Yep. And so they just don't have any savings, but they, they're considered too, too rich for medic to get the Medicaid or Medi-Cal. Those are the kind of people that I feel bad for because everything basically starts out at about $3,000 a month once you need care at least. You know, you're in California anyway. So, you know, there's that's that critical area, you know, for people that fall in. They don't qualify for any state, cover, you know, aid, but yet they don't quite have enough to afford assisted living. I'm worried, Kim, that there's going to be a real problem. I mean, talk about another pandemic when this, you know, we're in this senior tsunami right now where 10,000 people are turning at 65 every single day up until 
you know, for another 10 years, there's going to be, it's going to be a lot of people out there that are needing care and are not going to be able to afford it. So let's hope, hope that we do start, you know, putting a little more money into these senior programs. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of changes. We also need more staff, nursing staff, doctors. We need a lot of people going into gerontology. There's just a lot of things that need to be changed to keep everybody healthy and safe throughout their aging process. And everyone yeah, good deserves news is they're, they're finally paying caregivers now what they deserve. Cause they're to me, they're saints caregivers. Now, since the pandemic has really made it, there's been a real caregiver shortage. The reason why we're paying so much for, for like all these services and in-home care is caregivers are making about $19 an hour now. Oh, that's better. So wow. That's much better. So if you're looking for a job, get into nursing and caregiving. I mean, oh, and then another job that I think is exciting that in senior living is, um, you know, you can become an LVN, a licensed vocational nurse or LPN in other states with one year of training. And you can, I mean, senior living communities hire when they have 24 hour nursing. Most of the time it's not RNs, it's LVNs or LPNs. So I would recommend any of your audience if they've got you know, kids, grandkids, or themselves get into this field. Senior living is it's big money and it's people are, it's thriving. I mean, there's jobs constantly looking for, you know, all memory care directors, assisted living, assistant, you know, director sales jobs and senior living. It's, it's not only well-paid, but it's, it's a lot of fun too. Yeah, it can it be stressful. Fair. It can be stressful too. I mean, it's I'm not going to paint that great a picture. Yeah. You know, you've got to love what you're doing, you know. And it's every day. What I loved about it is every day was different. I could have my to-do list as an administrator. I'd walk in the door, and they'd say, "Oh, we need to work on this. This is a problem. This family wants you to call them." So it was never a dull moment. And no, I was never a dull moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's always change. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was high as a kite when I worked. I really, really loved it, but I was never home and I had young kids and I was a single parent and that was tough. That was really tough to continue down that, but I really did enjoy the time that I was there very much. So what's, what's on tap for you personally as you move forward? What are you going to keep working or what, what are your goals for the future? Well, we finally booked ourselves after eight and a half years after starting this business. We got the longest vacation that we've have, we've taken probably ever because we love our dog and we used to have two dogs. So I, I want to continue. So we're going to go on a beautiful Mediterranean cruise. That's going to be great. Oh, nice. So I'm excited about that. But I'm also um, we're going to stay a couple extra days even in Rome. So I think that's going to really re- refresh me and I'm going to really really pray and meditate about what I want to do in the next, you know, chapter, because, you know, I'm, I'm kind of doing more picking and choosing, you know, I used to say yes to absolutely everything. If I, if someone asked me to do this or that or whatever, or join certain groups, what I like, what I want to do now is be more mindful. I know that word's overused, but more mindful about what I say yes to and let my yes be yes. And my no be no. I love the, if I could just do presentations and education and just share this industry with people, I love doing that, you know, but trying to like going to all this networking events and going to big things and, you know, all of that, I don't enjoy that as much as I used to. 
So I really do want to do, I want to educate people. I call this my senior care ministry because our service is free, which sounds so corny, just like those online companies. We get paid um, if we get paid if, you know, a person does move into a senior community that we recommend. Otherwise, we're just giving out free advice. I call that my senior care ministry. I love educating people, though. I do. If anyone wants to call me with any questions, I love doing that. And I want to do that the rest of my life. So that's going to be part of it. I'm never going to give up doing that, even if we decide not to do our business anymore. I love giving, you know, educating people about senior living. But I, I truly for myself, I want to stay healthy and I want to keep I want to, you know, just start, you know, doing a little better with my eating I want to do do more um, with my exercising. Uh, a few years ago, about 10 years ago now, I did two half marathons in one year. I don't think I'm going to do that necessarily. Wow. But I want to make sure that I get at least 30 minutes a day of exercise. I want to just stay as healthy as possible. I enjoy my grandkids. I love, you know, being, being in the pool with them. I love being able to babysit them. And, you know, if at six, at almost 62, I still feel like a teenager most days, even though my my cholesterol is high. Other than that, I'm I'm very healthy. I I just really want to stay healthy, and you know that's not going to happen by just luck. I think we need we need to all work on that. So I need to do keep. I want to work on more self care and and maybe do, you know, like I said, not commit myself to as much, but but honestly. Doing more service for people does keep us young. I think the worst thing people do is just, you know, I don't want to just go out to lunch and shop every day. That's not going to be fulfilling. I mean, we all feel like we got to have a purpose in life, but um, it's got to have that balance, that work-life balance. So how do you, what do you recommend from all your podcasts? We'll have to have a private conversation. No, it is. It is so important to have a purpose. It is so important to do that. And the shopping, you know, if that's what you really enjoy, I know you're you're good at that. So I think, um, you know, you know how to find a bargain and everything, buy beautiful things and decorate nicely, and your garden's gorgeous too. So for you, going out and doing that, to have the time to be able to do that when you want to do it is really important. So it, to set that aside for yourself, because that's part of your self-therapy is to is important but for you because you've lived a life of service for so long if you were just to shut your doors and say i'm not helping anybody anymore i think you would think you'd be start to get pretty depressed pretty quickly i think that's just who you are yeah i want to nurture though that when you're saying all that makes me think i really i think we get out of balance when we don't nurture that creative side Mm-hmm. You know, I just that's why i decorate or do whatever i love or plant flowers i love creating things and changing things up. And that really makes me happy. So, you know, even though it seems almost manic, I, I move the same pictures around the house constantly. And, you know, if something's out of place, that just my little nest makes me happy. And then if I don't, if, if I get sick and tired of the ceramic decor I have in the house, I bring it outside and it becomes yard art. So being creative is fun. I think I um, maybe... Hopefully, one of these days, um, I want to get maybe more into art when I was in, you know, years ago. I mean, this is years ago, back in like junior high or something. I used to was was super um, talented with ceramics or or even drawing. And I mean, I haven't used that creative side in so many years. So I need to tap more into that. I think that's something that I'd like to to maybe do in my retirement years. 
I'm sure you'd love it. But I mean, in defense of what you do right now, that because uh, I've been to your home and your interior and your exterior is beautiful. It's like your palette, and you're moving colors and textures around, doing what an artist would do, and uh, it's it's ever changing. And so that is very therapeutic. It's part of also controlling the energy within your space is very important. It just makes you feel good while you're there. So you can focus on your work. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who've been listening, I just want you to know you can find Kathy Ellis. She's very available to you. And I will have the links on the show notes on the podcast below where you can click on them and you can reach her at senior care options. Dot org. And did you want to, well, I guess people can go there to get your number, to call you, to ask questions. That's on the website. Yes. Yeah. It's at seniorcareoptions.org. That's, a, you know, options with an S. Okay. So, um, and we do answer our phone seven days a week. So, yes, you do. You know, there's, and if we can't help you, we will definitely find someone who can. And no question is, you know, regarding senior living is, you know, is off, is off the chart. If I can't, you know, answer it, I'll I'll try to direct you to someone who can. Yeah, you've got a very thorough website. There's a lot of information on there for people to go check out. But I think it's always worth it, like you said. Just have a plan. Check it out. Maybe go around and see some of these places just so you know where they are and get a good feel for things before it becomes a place where you have to make a choice and you're, you're on the button where you got to choose right now. Yeah, but talk, mm-hmm. you'd be a good person to talk to just to have a good idea of what's out there. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate being on your wonderful podcast and um, look forward to seeing you again in person. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're really busy, Kathy. So thanks for fitting me in. All right. Thanks. Pleasure. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of pivot and thrive. I hope you learned something and I hope you enjoyed listening to my guest. If you know somebody who you think would make a great guest on the show, would you please contact me? You can go to my website at retirementpurposecoach.com and go down to the contact me section and let me know who I should be talking to. Also, if you are in need of a retirement coach yourself, you'd like some help figuring out what your path is or where you're supposed to be going every day with your life, you can contact me there and set up a free 15 to 20 minute consultation. I'd love to talk to you. Have a great day. Thank you.